You good? I'm good. Okay, I just yeah, I just I'm ready wanted, to go. Okay, yeah. I just want to make sure you like you had swallowed <laughs> your drink is all because you had gone quiet, and I'm like, are you are you swallowing? This one's just for you, Stuart. <laughs> I'm so glad we're getting this one. Welcome to the Photo Op Podcast, the podcast where we give our opinions on all things photo and video. I'm your host Ben Lucas, and I'm Stuart Marlantis, and this is Photo Op. And today we are talking about plugins. Are plugins still relevant? Hmm. I don't know. Yeah. We should talk about it. I don't know. We should talk about it for a good 20, 30 minutes. How's that sound, viewer? Yeah, cool. That's what we're doing anyway, whether you like it or Our not. MO. Buckle up. Here we go. So, um, yeah. What uh, are plugins, first of all? What are plugins? So, uh, when you get a piece of software, let's just say Photoshop, okay? You get a piece of software and you're like, man, this piece of software is good, but I really wish it could do this. And. It doesn't do that. And then some third-party pieces, uh, third-party uh, distributor, they make some piece of software and they say, hey, what if it could, though? <laughs> so then you install the plugin. So when you're working on an image with Photoshop, you're like, man, I need a really good like film grain overlay. And then you fire up your plugin and you add your Kodak 400 film grain. Mm-hmm. And then your photo looks as hipstery as you want it to. Um, and you're good to go. That is a plugin. So yeah. plugins, uh, they, they can be compatible with pieces of software, or um, sometimes they're also standalone. Mm-hmm. Even when they're standalone, when they're so incredibly, like, niche and unuseful as, like, they're not full uh, suite Sweets. of software. It's not yeah. Photoshop. It yeah. literally, all I do is denoise your yeah. image. There's one thing. Even if that's a standalone, I still consider that a plugin. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> let's let's just be fair when yeah. it is something that is that incredibly niche yes it could be its own piece of software mm-hmm. but when they make it as standalone or a plugin or both sometimes or, you can do either or both mm-hmm. then i consider that all plugins so um so we'll give a little rundown what plugins do we use if any what do they do so so here's actually here's actually why i started with this topic today okay Mm -hmm. um i recently i i joined uh modern society the current century and decided to download and install the new photoshop beta that has all of the ai that i've been railing about for weeks or months or however freaking long it's been (laughs) um and uh one 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 thing happened a piece of software that i use all the time oh first of all it asked me do you want to import all of your old like workspaces and plugins and options. I said, yes, I do. I would like everything that I had before in the new version. Sounds good. Like, cool. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Mm-hmm. Everything transferred over except one. Mm. I still use Nick Software, originally made by DXO and purchased by Google and discontinued. Nick Software has been compatible with every version of Photoshop I've used until now. <laughs> so then I thought We're to myself... Ruined. Oh, that really sucks. I'm like, but do I need Nick Software? And I looked at it, I'm like, yeah, I do. I love it so much. So what is Nick Software for the people that don't know? So uh, Nick Software, um, it is a suite of different plugins. I believe there's six different plugins or something. Frankly, I only use three of them. Um, But the ones that I use is I love the ColorFX Pro when you just, you're looking at an image and it just needs a little zhuzh. You just want to add a little bit of like a little pop, a little pop, a little cross processing, a little bit of like tonal contrast, just mm-hmm. to get make it a little crispier. You just just a little bit of something to finish off an image, right? Mm-hmm. And normally, uh, when I 
apply it's kind of like applying an instagram filter but i'm doing it on my computer because i'm not a hipster um <laughs> so it's better okay so it's better i'm superior to you um no so but when i apply these filters it's like if if i took like a really nice moody boudoir image mm-hmm. but i want it to just have like some of those kind of like crushed shadows or whatever so it appears a little more gray because mm-hmm. i feel like it's slightly too black and i want to give it that filmic image yeah um uh there's uh what is it color color pro something um but then there's also an analog uh thing where uh i can go and i can pick oh i would like a fujifilm 400 please mm-hmm. and i can apply the fujifilm 400 look to that and it gives me these really just gorgeous kind of uh, red magenta skin tones while kind of like crushing those highlights and it just brings this overall or overall warmth and glow to an image that makes that image like her and her beauty and her skin is the focus of the image now instead of, you know, all the other junk around the bedroom for the boudoir image. So so there are some times where I'm like, oh, I really like adding this kind of like film look or this cross-processing or these crushed shadows because it's a look that I like and I think it's a look that complements that particular image. I'm not doing it to a whole batch, but sometimes it's a nice finisher. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then there is a third Spice one. On There's a third one that I use. I hate doing black and white images. Um, it's not particularly my forte. If you look at my work, not a ton of it. Um, but I genuinely hate it because Photoshop doesn't do a good job of making black and white images. Yeah, it has sliders where you can pull your reds and stuff, but yeah. but you're just kind of willy-nilly pulling stuff until stuff looks right. Versus they have uh it's called Silver Effects Pro, part of Nick Software. And it gives you a bunch of uh, black and white presets. Mm-hmm. And these presets, they're specifically like film looks. But I pick one to start with. And I say, ooh, this one makes... Uh, I'll, I'll pick one and I'll be like, ew. This one makes the skin like hard and crunchy and gross. But it might look great for like a waterfall landscape image. But then I'll pick another one and I'll say, ooh, this one's soft and silky. And it makes her lips kind of this deep color like she was wearing red lipstick. Versus another one might make them like blow out and look gross. So I pick mm-hmm. that one and I drag those sliders and I tweak yeah. it. And I just feel like it gives an overall better black and white image. Because I have way more nuance and control over not only tonalities of the image but um the different areas of the image and they just do a way better job at giving me a a good preset to start with and tweak instead of me having to do all the work myself so that was very long explanation but i love this software Mm -hmm. i use it all the time and now it's gone so our plugin's still relevant that's coming back around to the main conversation i talked about that for way too long were you able to uh get it working no. Oh, okay. <laughs> One of the perks of Nick Software is uh, you can you can uh, right click an image and say open with, go to the exe file mm-hmm. and open mm-hmm. it directly from the exe file instead of it being a plugin. But yeah, it uh it doesn't work as a plugin anymore, and Great. it made my life really easy to go filter Nick color effects, add that as a layer. I can kind of do my masking and tone it in, and now I have to save it as a completely different image. Google, can you at least make this stuff open source before you just cut it and like, I know, kill it everybody's workflow? Google just kills everything. <laughs> so I don't need to talk about that anymore. Yeah. But but that was the impetus for recording this episode, and it made me think like, hey, do we still really need plugins? Because because. The the other thing I thought about for this episode is, uh, do you remember On One? I know no. they're still a company that exists, but I say remember because they're not 
relevant, at least not to me anymore. Yeah. On One made a suite of uh, software products that I thought were really, really cool. And the one that really sold me on it is early days. They're like, hey, you want to do a really good sky replacement, but you have like a bride and her veil. There's no way in hell that Photoshop is actually getting all the detail in the veil. But look what On One can do. And I'm like, ooh, yeah. And they had a denoiser and a sharpener and an yeah, upscaler. Yeah. I'm like, this is sweet. Well, guess what? I had that software for like six months. Then a new version of Photoshop came out. And Photoshop could do it better than On One. Yeah, this has been a common theme, I think, with especially Photoshop plugins. If somebody makes a cool plugin, and six months later, a new version of Photoshop, they're like, cool, let me just copy your homework. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, now it's all in one thing, and it's included with the price of admission, yeah. so why wouldn't I want that? Yeah, yeah. Um, Boy, I don't know. Like, I use a few different plug-in or plug-in adjacent you know standalone pieces of software but i've never been like a plug-in guy i guess <laughs> i was a plug-in guy i had so many um there was there was one that i had where you could label all your photoshop files uh, a certain way mm-hmm. and then it would spit out an html file and give you a web page based on the build that you made which i use wordpress so that's no longer relevant yeah. um and then there was another one the plugin for premiere that gave you like a 3d camera that you could use for parallaxing that's called After Effects. Um, <laughs> it's way better at it. So, like, yeah, there are some that I definitely do not use anymore. One of the earliest ones I think that I used that I no longer use was Twixter. That was yeah. pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Twixter was really yeah. cool because I could only shoot tw- 30 frames per second, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. then it could be like, ooh, now it looks like it's 120 yeah. frames per second. Twixter was really good, at least in the early days of of. Uh, of reinterpreting video footage and adding like tweening, adding a bunch of frames and then giving you sort of like a, I mean, it basically tried to give you slow-mo without shooting it in slow-mo. It gave you slow-mo that wasn't super choppy, but it it looked, and it looked pretty good. I mean, like if you pushed it too hard, you could, you you would get some weird, weird, artifacts, artifacts. but it was for, for something done in software, it was really good. Um, why don't you use it anymore? Because uh, other things have replaced it, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so, so maybe it's still good. I don't know. Maybe I'm missing out, and I just like I I paid for an original, earlier version many many years ago. But that's been replaced uh, by the Topaz Video AI uh, piece of software now for me because it has a an AI based. Um, a tweening interpretation engine that you can use for slow-mo it'll do all sorts of stuff it'll do upscaling it'll do all sorts of different effects but one of the things that it can do additionally is slow-mo and i feel like two things replace twixter one is that if i really need the extra frames and two cameras just like shoot slower motion yeah. now by default like once we got you can 100... shoot 120 frames yeah a second once now. we got 1080p at 120 frames per second in a lot of cameras i was like well I don't really need Twixter anymore. I'll just shoot in that. <laughs> yeah. And if I really need it, then I'll use uh, Topaz Video AI because in my tests that has been at least equivalent or better. And since I've paid for the new one, I might as well might as well use the new one. one. Yeah. Absolutely. So. so yeah, I mean, there's definitely uh, not to say that any of these uh, like it, on one. If you want to come sponsor us, show show me what you got. <laughs> Impress me. Yeah. Send, send me from free software. Are your but, plugins you know, still good? But I bought your stuff a decade ago, and the version I have is no longer useful. So to me, it's irrelevant, right? It's been it's been phased out. So yeah, there's definitely things that um, uh, get absorbed 
by either just new technology or first party implementation Mm -hmm. and that plugin is now completely irrelevant but there are other things that like uh i still use imagenomic yeah so for those of you who don't know imagenomic is a skin softening software so um it it is uh basically if you're trying to make skin soft and smooth and um you know photoshopped retouched um people are like oh you can't do that what you need to use is you need to use frequency separation. Sorry, brain, brain just kind of cut out there. You, uh, If you're doing high-end retouching, people will say, no, you can't possibly use a plugin. You need to use frequency separation. Well, guess what? Frequency separation is a little bit difficult and time-intensive. And if I'm doing that for, let's say, a cover of Vogue magazine, mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the correct way to do that. But if I'm doing that to 800 wedding images... Run a plugin. Mm-hmm. So, so the plugin it does uh, it gives you like how do you want it on a scale of just ever so slightly ten percent smooth to sure. Barbie doll, um, and anywhere in between. And then it says like, hey, what is the skin tone of the person you're trying to do? And what we're going to do is we're going to select those colors and those colors only so that hair and clothes and background do not get smoothed out and that detail doesn't get erased. In my experience, a little bit of the hair always gets erased. So usually what I do, new layer, mask it in, but it's still way faster. And so back in the day, um, I went to a, a Scott Kelby seminar and he said, look, I could show you how to do frequency separation, mm-hmm. but why would I show you that when when I get hired by a client, I just click on Imagenomic <laughs> and say, I'm done now. Yeah. Like, why Why would I tell you something Save different than some what I actually use? Mm-hmm. And so is it expensive? Yes, it is. Is it totally worth it if you're a working professional? Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did it survive the uh, Adobe update? Absolutely, because Adobe... Uh, well, actually, Adobe does have a skin smoothing thing. I will get back to you on that. <laughs> uh, but um, I I used it yesterday. Okay, so, so it did. It did. <laughs> yeah, it, it still works, unlike Nick Software. Yep. But now I should really test to see, is it better than the AI? But the other thing, too, of like, it doesn't use AI. It's just like, hey, we're taking those tones and we're, we're you know, killing all the contrast on those tones yeah. and doing some smoothing and whatever their algorithm is for it. It's not introducing weird artifacts no. that AI might introduce. And AI isn't necessarily better. Like, it, in my opinion, it works really well for slow motion because you have to make new fake frames from nothing. Yes. And AI is pretty good at making something fake from things nothing. from nothing. Yeah. And if it's, if it's a video where you've got many, 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 many frames and you're never really focusing on each individual one, it'll do a good enough job. I think that's why Topaz Video AI does, you know, is now the replacement for Twixter in my case. But for something like this, AI might not be better. And that's yeah. fine. That's fine. To, to be determined on that. But yes, it did survive the update. Thank you for asking. Yeah. But yeah. Um, plugins. Uh, the other thing that I use... What do you use? In the in the photosphere is uh is Topaz's photo side of things. Topaz Photo AI. Yeah, yeah. Um I use that all the time. Um it has it it has all sorts of different tools, but in the two like the denoising and the upscaling yeah. and uh there there's the, a focus fix one that you recently helped me yes, with. Yes, there is. So it the the two that I use most frequently are an up are upscaling um and uh and 
basically sharpening uh, that or focus fixing. Um, those are the two that I use most frequently. They, they does have like facial recovery stuff. It does have denoising. The denoising is actually really good. I use that less maybe because I shoot on Sony cameras more frequently. <laughs> all right. All right. Flex all you want to. We know. We know. But I do use it occasionally. Um, but, but truly the, um, the, the whole, the whole suite that it can do, um, they've all been fantastic in their own uh, individual ways. Uh, and I use it all the time. Like sometimes just almost because like I'll, I'll crop in on an image and I'll be like, Oh, this is pretty good. But I'm like, Oh, I could run it through Topaz and <laughs> it'll be just a little just bit sharper, little bit just better. a little bit better. So it works great for that. Cause my, um, my Sony's a 24 megapixel. And so it's, that's, that's plenty competent. And we've talked at great length about like, you don't need a tremendous amount of resolution. Sure. However, I don't have like super long lenses at this point. And so, so like, I'm, of ob- I'm often cropping in. I just have not been able to justify dropping the money on, you know, some like 600 mil lens. So, uh, Adobe, this will be another good test maybe for a future episode. Mm-hmm. One of the, uh, beta AI things is, Hey, do you need to super crop an image? Cause you didn't shoot long enough. Yeah. We will upscale that part of an image for you. Not we the whole do- image. Just, just that part. Of part. It. Yeah. We should do a head-to-head test because I did see that pop up and I'm like, hmm, do I still need the Topaz thing? I don't know. But yeah, Topaz has been good. I I, don't, I really don't use too many others. Um, I've used Neat Video a lot in the past for denoising on the video side. Mm-hmm. That genuinely is amazing. And I still haven't seen um, on the Adobe side, at least so far, I haven't seen anything that holds up equivalent quality to neat videos denoising it's fantastic um well worth the money i think it's like a hundred dollars like if you're shooting a lot of video in low light absolutely buy it like yeah it, it gives you a tremendous amount of value um and then the last one that i've used more recently uh is uh gyroflow and this one is free uh absolutely Ooh. free yeah so what it does is i mean there there have been various um stabilization uh software out there um and obviously it's built into stuff like uh after effects and premiere um however what dryer flow does that's interesting is it uses kind of sensor fusion to figure that out so um lots of cameras including actually dslrs mirrorless cameras have um have uh well They've got a whole bunch of sensors in them, but they've got sensors that record uh, the motion of the camera when you're shooting a video or taking a picture. And they use those sensors in the camera to help compensate if it's got in-body oh. image stabilization. They use those sensors to adjust or they use the the motion sensors to adjust the actual camera sensor and cancel out, you know, handshake and stuff yeah. like that. Um, and so that's very common on, on cameras newer cameras nowadays within the past five years but it's especially common on action cameras so gopros have had gyro sensors in them for a long time now um uh, the new uh dji stuff has that and you can use this software to read that sensor data and look at the image so if i shoot something on my canon it won't work but if i shoot something no however you can get little uh actually hardware additions that you can add to your camera to record that data and then you can combine those in Gyroflow and cancel out that data with, with either cropping or enlarging or whatever. You know, There are different ways that you can actually cancel out the motion. But you can use Gyroflow to, with that data to pick out those different ways okay. and then get a super stable image. Um, it works great. I kind of can't believe that it's free. Um, a version of this did exist called Real Steady uh, previously. I used that one. I remember one. that one. Yeah, Real Steady was really cool. It was very GoPro-oriented. Um, 
it was so GoPro oriented that GoPro purchased it and theoretically i mean they still kind of offer it and they sort of it's like it, it's part like of their included suites, but, in the suite of like if you yeah. download the gopro editor then you run it on it and yeah yeah and, and it's great but there was not really a replacement when gopro purchased it and it uh, pretty much became gopro yeah. only yeah. and gyroflow is that replacement and it works on like any motion data that you can get from any camera or any you know recorder that you add to the camera it's really cool and i can't believe it's free if you have any stabilization needs, especially if you're running action cameras, uh, check out Gyroflow. It does like some legit incredible stuff. We yeah. are sponsored by none of the things that we mentioned. Nope. Uh, all the other ones you got to pay for. So go Google it if you want. But uh, since Gyroflow is free, I don't feel bad linking that down. Yeah. So that, that'll be linked down in the description there for you. Um, yeah. So so plugins. What, what do relevant? we think? Are they still relevant? Yeah, but it feels like the door's closing. <laughs> Absolutely. I would 100% agree with you on that one. Um, they're, they're, they're more and more getting absorbed by first party, but um, I think it's also, could you even imagine a plugin like Gyroflow 10 years ago? Because cameras didn't have any of that no. kind of data, so it's not a thing that you could do. No. So I think as tech evolves... Um, it's that thing of, uh, we'll have new needs and new things that we're trying mm -hmm. to do. And you didn't try to do slow-mo thousand frames per second just because yeah. that wasn't in your consciousness that it was possible. Well, now it is. Yeah. So as technology expands and things expand, I think, uh, plugins, I think plugins are always going to be relevant because plugins essentially fill the gap in between what the big companies are doing and mm -hmm. what everybody needs. Yeah. Um, once the big companies realize what everybody needs, they absorb that. But uh, people are always going to have new needs and yeah. there's always going to be plugins to fill and serve those needs. Yeah. And uh, I mean, at least, you know, Props to Adobe for narrowing this market. They use a small fraction of those huge piles of money that we shovel into them to compete with the plugin yeah. market and incorporate those things or even purchase i uh, from what i understand they've purchased some of those uh the work from some of those developers and then incorporated it so Absolutely, like yeah. hey that's great like it's it's good i think it's a good thing that the plugin market has narrowed it means that big companies are listening to user needs even if they're pretty niche needs and incorporating them in yeah, the software and, and uh but, one of the things yeah. that um i recently had a conversation with not to drag ai into this conversation <laughs> but um uh ai uh adobe actually does a really good job with their training models and essentially mm -hmm. um whether you know you accepted their terms or not is a different question. But uh, essentially, all of their AI models are trained on internal things that they all have permission for. They're yep. not just yep. scraping data from the internet. No. So they're ethically sourcing AI, which also might be that when I tried their AI, it was a little janky and yeah. did not work for the thing I was trying to do it for. <laughs> but you know what? It, but I respect good, I sticking respect to the it. principles, I right? It. Yeah, I good respect job, them. Adobe. <laughs> yeah, have have we have we done a whole episode on ways to replace you? Yes, we have. Do we still pay you money anyway? Yes, we do. So yeah, good good job on you. Um, yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. Plugins will always be here. They'll mm -hmm, always mm -hmm. be relevant. But it's kind of the same way that, you know, large factor cameras are never truly going to be replaced by cell phones. But right. cell phones can do way more than they used to. And that market is oh closing. Boy. Oh, boy. So it's kind of the same thing. The market's closing. But I think there's always going to be a good place to and add good some... on you plug-in developers. Like, we've paid money for your stuff because it's good and you're offering things that Absolutely. the big companies don't. Like, keep doing that. <laughs> um, yeah, as much as I rail against hipsters, I really love that Fuji 400 filter. <laughs> Not going to lie. 
Not going to lie. <laughs> Just make a good Fuji 400 filter and you get Ben's money. Uh, there you go. So um, to wrap up this episode, thank you so much for watching. We will see you next week. But before you leave, I would want to know, leave a comment. What is your favorite mm-hmm. plugin? Yeah. Are there plugins that you use that are awesome that we don't know about? Like we would love to know. Maybe we'll... We, maybe we need them. Yeah. <laughs> we'll use them. So uh, on your favorite podcast app, podcast app of choice or go find this video on YouTube. Leave a comment. Let us know what your favorite plug in, plug in is. I will see you next time. See you next time. If you have questions or ideas for future episodes, you can email us at hello at photo dash op dot show. Watch us on Ben's YouTube channel at non-creative. As in om nom nom. Share this with a friend and you can listen to photo op anywhere podcasts are sold or download it because it's free.